So settle back and enjoy another afternoon of snooker. What a shot. This is so special. Brilliant. Oh, fantastic. And that'll put a little spring and a step. He's done it. This is Snooker Club. This is Snooker Club, the World Snooker Tour official podcast. Hello and welcome to Snooker Club. I'm Stephen Hendry and with me is Mark Watson. Today we welcome the England and Arsenal legend Lee Dixon onto the podcast to talk about his football career and passion for snooker. Yeah, Lee will be trying to beat Hazel Irvin's um, impressive score of 20 in the quiz and we'll be talking about the Mr Q UK Championship. Stephen is in York covering it as we speak. We'll also be sifting through the Snooker Club inbox and reading out some of the best emails in our correspondence section. So welcome to episode six of Snooker Club. Mark, can we just check before we go any further that you haven't been locked out of any more of the gigs in the last two weeks? Have you managed to get in? Terrific run of getting into gigs, I tell you. Actually, what has happened is pretty much every theatre I go to now, the person running it says, we've got in all right, did you? So that's going to be happening for the rest of my life now. We had a thing last night in in York, we were actually locked out because there was a fire alarm. The start was delayed for an hour. There you go, that's taking my material, basically. (laughs) listeners can't see this but i have to briefly mention you've lost one of the arms of your glasses there so they're sort of perched askew on your face like you're a mad professor yeah yeah i mean if this the pictures come out of this yeah i mean last i bought these very expensive glasses thinking oh these are lovely they're the worst glasses in the world i'm not even going to name the name (laughs) (laughs) how is your it doesn't look like you're in the penthouse suite from what i can see i'm actually doing this from the media center at the venue Uh, i've got i've got a busy day today so i'm I'm, I'm doing this i'm doing an interview with ronnie um because it's the 30th anniversary of him beating me in the uk championship his first ranking tournament win so we're doing a little piece for bbc for that even when you're doing other media than this podcast it still circles back to you your defeats in some way then. <laughs> <laughs> started to copy art and quote 30 years that is that does seem a lot doesn't it <laughs> yeah 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 i think i think ronnie was i want to say he's maybe 17 when he beat me uh yeah. 17 or 18 um and it was a it was a huge thing at the time because it was obviously his um sort of proof of how good he was yeah. uh, kind of thing of age victory yeah well the attention of the snooker world has been on ronnie this week n- not for the first time um but specifically because of his documentary Stephen was at the premiere uh, obviously uh, pops up in the film but uh, there was one name that was a glaring omission from the film that name was mark watson me some people <laughs> say it's because i've never met ronnie or played any part in his life and he's never heard of me but are things really that simple well yes yes they are um, so as usual, I've just had to watch snooker like every other mug. Luckily, plenty of snooker <laughs> going on. Uh, we're sort of midway through the Mr. Q Championships in York. Well, some early shocks. M- Mark Allen out, the defending champion, mm. right at the start to ding. Yeah, I mean, I've, I actually um, commented on the match. It was a fabulous match, actually, to keep yeah. the tournament off. I mean, uh, Ding was, really was. Uh, quite quite clearly under the weather, wasn't feeling well. Um, yeah. Was moving quite gingerly around the table. Yeah, he was. His eyes were shut for for periods of, of the game, and he was. In, I thought he might fall asleep in his chair. Yeah, the, I mean, there's a saying in, in golf: beware the injured golfer. It's sort of beware the sick snooker player. Could be could be a new one because his, um, he made four or five like world class clearances to win frames. That's the quickest you've ever brought golf into this snooker podcast, by the way, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think we've had four four six fives already um, in yeah. this championship. Um, we looked like I, I worked on Sean Murphy, who's on another shock exit last night. Um, he yes, got back to five uh, four, but lost the final frame. So, yeah, it's, the, the standard's been very, very good. It's interesting actually because I, I always think about you saying you, you shouldn't get too friendly with your opponents. You shouldn't, uh, you know, give them that sort of comfort. And I, I saw Murphy talking about how much he liked Hassan before the game, and so maybe maybe he's paid for that. He's paid for his friendliness. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um I mean it's I'm look, listen, I'm not, I'm sure it's nothing to do with it, but it's a it's a coincidence that the only tournaments Sean's winning these days are the ITV ones where he's not working when he's not <laughs> playing. So I'm I'm sure on, on, on his own podcast he'll come and challenge that. Um and I'm in the studio I'm in the studio with him this afternoon, so it'd be interesting to, to ask him. But you two would never criticize each other's punditry, we know that. Um <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be doing some? Uh, you're going to be on, on Wikipedia before you meet Murphy this afternoon, just 
absorbing facts and figures to put him in his place. So tempted to come out with a line in commentary last night. Well, Dennis, I've never seen this guy play. Is he any good? Um, but <laughs> but, I, but I, I sort of you know, I bit, my, bit my tongue. I thought, no, I'm not going to go down to that level. <laughs> I think a lot of us would have would have enjoyed that. Yeah, we've talked about it briefly before, but it, do you think it is a coincidence or is it is it? You know, if you're covering the tournament, does it affect? It must in a way you've got your head in two different places. I, I mean, I, I've told him I don't agree with it, um, and yeah. because because he's, he's still competitive, he's still capable of winning any tournament that he enters. Um, I think that the, the time when you sort of look for look to your your TV careers when you maybe think you're no longer competitive, um, you know, as, yeah. as as I did. Um, I think it is a distraction. I know I know his argument is well, I'd just be sitting in a hotel room doing nothing but then downtime is very important as a snooker player what you do in your downtime away from matches because it's especially the world championship is just so much stamina and mental energy you know you have to go through in those 17 days if you're coming off a you know a a draining match when you've won and then you're going two hours you know an hour later into the commentary box to commentate on nine frames i mean you're just not getting away from it you're not switching off there you are so if you're listening sean um Stephen thinks you're unprofessional and the beef continues. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, you can't directly blame Murphy for this, but there was a re-rack in uh, one of the frames in uh, the Murphy game. Mm. Which I can't imagine you were particularly pleased about that. We know how you feel about anything dragging the pace down. It was it was a strange one, actually, because it wasn't like the cue ball was in amongst the reds. Most re-racks yeah. are when they're just touching touching balls here. Like very, yeah, you know. just, but it was, it was a safety battle and the cue ball was... Up in the bulk end, in the bulk, yeah. and 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 Hussein actually just said to Sean, "Rerack." I don't know whether he was half joking or not. Yeah, <laughs> but it was strange because Hussein was two 0 up at the time, um, and I thought, you know, just just keep the match as it's going. It's going well for you. Why why yeah. change it? Because then Sean won the next frame. I mean, but it wasn't the best start to the match. I think a lot of it due to the delay because of the fire alarm. Obviously, we yeah. we always had to be evacuated from the Barbican last night for an hour. And and obviously you you normally arrive well I would normally arrive about half an hour before a play, so sort of yeah. go through your routine ten minutes in the practice table chill out in the dressing room just get ready to play and, and you're like a coiled spring you're ready to go at seven yeah. so then to then be told you're out yeah. you walk up, you've got to go across to the Edinburgh Arms and sit in this pub for an hour you come back you're obviously completely not you've quickly switched off so it was understandable that it was a poor start yeah I think if I had to play in front of a crowd like that and then. I was in the pub an hour before. I would, I wouldn't be at my best <laughs> going into the game. <laughs> I can assure you, there, there was no, there was no, there was no alcohol taken. I can assure you, I was there. I'm sure you're. I, Murphy doesn't strike me as someone that would have a, a couple of cheeky I, ones. Before, I'm, I'm sure the owner of the pub was devastated. All of a sudden, you had about 50 people coming to the pub and nobody ordered a drink. <laughs> Worst Sunday night crowd I've ever seen. Hello, I'm Judd Trump, and whenever I'm flying around the world, I listen to the World Snooker Tour podcast, The Snooker Club. Now, uh, unbelievably, um, really, given you know uh, his status in the game, Ding, who finished runner-up last season, was one of the 16 players who had to come through uh, the UK Championship qualifiers and the nerve-shredding Judgment Day. Um, let's find out how he and the other 15 booked their spots in York last week in Leicester. Good afternoon, everybody. For 32 of the finest snooker players on the planet, all roads lead to the Barbican in York for Saturday's beginning to this year's Mr Q UK Championship. So there's so much pressure on every shot. One mistake, it could be the last. Clearly. Second century of the day from Ding to finish. He's the first qualifier for this year's UK Championship. He's beaten Robbie Williams 6-3. I love the playing York. Always doing good in the... UK Championship. What a finish this is from Tepchara New. Beautiful break. A clearance of 102 to qualify for the final stages of the Mr Q UK Snooker Championship. I beat uh, Ricky Warden for the first time. I've never beat him for seven times and uh, just really so happy. And when I get the train back to Darlington, I don't know what I'm going to do. That is a great shot from Knock On. Oh, oh look at that. my word. And that is the end. What an extraordinary way for it to finish. Got a feel for Wu Yizzard there. He did nothing wrong. He played his part in a fantastic match. But it's Nopin Senkarm who wins 6-4. Fan, of course, if he pots the red, he's safely through. And it's been a fascinating afternoon. And it is now over. Michael White is coming forward finally to shake hands. A great battle between these two. Jamie Jones. Big moments for him now. 
He's just got to steady himself. And then it goes. Jamie Jones beats Jacques Surety 6-4 and the Welshman will be heading to York. You know, I didn't back down from any shots either. You know, I'm proud of myself. You know, I didn't try and fall over the line. I went for it at the end and it was just so close. You know, I'm just relieved here. Yeah. 50, the frame, ending match. There's the handshake then. Anthony McGill beats Anthony Hamilton by six frames to two. Just the black needed, and it's going to be victory for Selt, barring snookers, although we know Lou Hyshen likes to play for them, so we want to make sure. And that should be the winning ball. York's my favourite venue anyway. I, I really like playing in York, and I'm going to really look forward to going back there at the weekend. Yeah, you are a big stage performer. I know <laughs> you'll get a wonderful... I not go that far. There has been blood, sweat and tears shed from these qualifiers in their bid to join the top 16. So, it is time to do the draw. Number one. Mark Allen, the reigning champion. 17. You are kidding me. 17. Oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. It's a rerun of last year's final in the first round. Mark Allen against Ding Zhongwei. That is incredible. And don't be surprised to see a reaction from Jamie Clark. Yeah, it was a hell of a decider, wasn't it? But it's surely been won by Jamie Clark, and there is the handshake indeed from Dave Gilbert. What a match. Mm. I mean, that could be a season-defining evening for you there. Yeah, it could be. It was from start to finish. It was a terrible game, especially at the start. We were both... I wasn't... <laughs> Matt Seltzer, interesting analysis there. Yuan Jun closing in here on victory over Ken Doherty. Yuan on the victory lap. This is a century from him. Excellent stuff to finish off. Well done to Ben Williston. It was a long match against Lucas Kleckers. 6-1 sounds comfortable. It was a battle, but he's won the battle. Got one eye on O'Connor. This should be that. He can just roll the blue over the hole here, preferably in it. Maguire's not played the best safety shot, and that's going to be that. But he'll be so relieved because that got very, very sticky in the end. But Joe O'Connor, it's a great win. It's nice to, to get back into York. I've not played there for a couple of years now, so it's a great venue and a you know, great tournament. Mark Joyce survived an epic fight back from Joe Perry. It very nearly went to a decider. So 78 the break, 6-2 the win for Pang Jung-Zhu. He's our first winner in this session. He beats Craig Stedman 6-2. So it's this pink for the ton. The Prince of Persia and what a fantastic performance he's put in all week. 108, the clearance from Hussain Bufai, 6-4, he beat Scott Donaldson, it was tough, but he toughed it out. I love to play in a big events and I love the good atmosphere, I love to make it loud as possible. As this is my advice to the oldest Snooker fans, come to the New York Barbican and make it loud as possible. And, and he goes gone. in, Elliot Slesser at the death in frame 9, dramatically clears up, doubles the last black. Is the 15th qualifier for York. Hold on to your hats if he's going to for this one. Oh, Dave, pick that one out. What a pot he's played there. Yeah, thrilling stuff. He was 5-3 down in the match, remember? But Joe Yulong has done it at the death. Ian Burns had a great tournament, just couldn't quite get himself over the line. Great relief for Joe Yulong, and that completes the extraordinary drama. So many moments of drama. So much late-night heroics, and at the Barbican, we'll get ready to do it all over again. Thanks for your company over the last couple of days. Bye-bye from the Morningside Arena, and roll on Yorkshire. We're on our way. Here are Judgment Day always delivers drama. Uh, thanks to everyone who tuned in. What's it been like at York itself, Stephen? What, what have the crowds been like? The crowds are always great here, uh, Mark. Um, I think all the three Triple Crowns, because they've they've stayed yeah. at the same venues for the last few years, people know when they are, yeah. uh, where, where they are, um, so they get used to it. The, the open day was, was full, but ticket sales are up. On day one this year, World Snooker Tour had sold 20% more than all the same time last year. So, yeah, it was um, it, it's yeah. great for the players to, to walk into a full arena. They've, they've changed the walk-ins now. The players come in from the very top. Um, and they walk through the crowds and they sort of give high fives yeah. and they wave back. And it's the players appreciate that. And it, and it makes you play your best or it should make you play your best when you play into full crowds. Yeah, it's a big old place, isn't it, the Barbican? I've been there as a, as a support act to a more famous comedian. It's, you look at it over, it's <laughs> huge. It's a lot of tickets to sell that. Who's more famous what? than you? Come on, Mark. I'm not having that. Uh, it was Gervais, to be fair. So, you know. Oh, OK. <laughs> Do you feel like it's got a specific atmosphere about it, like compared with the, the Crucible or we've talked about, you know, Northern Ireland? 
it's obviously the Crucible stands out alone, and I think the Master stands alone as well as an atmosphere. Um, the crowds in London are always very, very vociferous and get get really up for it. But it's, it's I think the UK is people see people realise it's the first of the Triple Crown events, and it's always obviously yeah. before Christmas. Um, so people are maybe winding down. Um, they just want to chill, watch some snooker. I don't, I don't know, but it's just yeah. there's something to be said with a, a, a tournament has an identity of where it belongs. Yeah, yeah. And, and when yeah. it is in the calendar. Well, if you haven't managed to get a ticket um, to be at the Barbican there, don't worry, there's loads coming up on the World Snooker Tour. Uh, after the UK Championship, the tour goes to Swansea for the Bet Victor Snooker Shootout, which is uh, obviously the tour's quick-fire snooker event, 10-minute frames, shot clocks, cracking atmosphere. Uh, Stephen wouldn't wouldn't touch it as a player. But, um, <laughs> Not with a barge pole. <laughs> so there you go. That's an advert. But that's not that's nothing against the event. It's actually my guilty pleasure to watch. I love that's watching true. it. But I, I just I just can't I can't um I played it once and playing with crowds screaming while you're actually at the table and the shot clock and everything, I don't know. It was just I just couldn't get my head around it as a player. As a fan, I love watching it. Oh, it's great fun to watch. Uh, if you like the thought of being in Swansea screaming at the players, then uh, that's for you. The shootout is from the sixth to the ninth. And then back up north to Edinburgh for the penultimate Home Nations event of the season, the Bet Victor Scottish Open, which is the 11th to the 17th of December. Tickets for both are available now, and you can get them, as usual, wst.tv slash tickets. Hey, I'm Neil Robertson. When I'm building and painting Warhammer models, I'm tuning into WST's official podcast, Snooker Club. Still to come, we're talking to England and Arsenal legend Lee Dixon, and we will be subjecting him to our uh, fearsome quiz after Hazel Irvin's virtuoso <laughs> 20 break last week. Uh, Stephen, it's been a busy time for you. Not only did you attend the premiere of Ronnie's new documentary, which, uh, as I've mentioned, I did not receive an invitation to, but you also interviewed World Snooker Tour chairman Steve Dawson. How'd that go? Yeah, it was great. We went to the, the Groucho Club in London, and uh, one of the questions I asked him was what, what he brings to the to the to the gig as it were and because he's so different to barry hearn he's a yeah. completely different personality um you know steve is quite a quiet um reserved guy where barry's obviously in your face and 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 um you, you certainly know when barry's walked in a room what sort of stuff did you feel um needed clearing up or, or talking about um I think I think a, a lot of stuff. There's, there's, there's stuff, obviously, that the players are not happy with at the moment. Um, you know, for for example, the players' contracts, um, things like that. Obviously, venues, prize money. Um, it was it was it was yeah. a wide ranging sort of interview. Um, and it's and it's yeah, it, it was it was interesting to talk to the the man who's well, he's basically the boss now, isn't he? Yeah, it's got he's got to have a lot on his plate because the players do you know they're pretty vocal about things these days mm. and uh, it probably is one of those jobs where you can't keep everyone happy to some extent as well. Yeah, I think the thing that came from it is and, and Steve insisted that he's 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 very approachable and that the players if they have got any grievances um, they should contact him directly. He says he says my phone's there, my phone's always always on. He says just contact me and 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 chat about it rather than you know airing the grievances in public, um, which yeah. I don't think. I, listen, I've been guilty of it in the past myself. We, we all do it. We all moan. We love a moan, especially if we got beat and we got a microphone shoved in your face. The first thing you want to do is moan about something, not yourself. It's not your fault. It's everyone else's fault. <laughs> well, yeah. Although some mentioning no names, some players manage to find ways to moan even after they've won. In fact, even after they've won tournaments, sometimes <laughs> it's not all great. Depends on the yeah, player. But, um, but yeah, I'm getting, a, I'm getting a little bit older and wiser now, and I see, I see obviously that is, um, I see both sides of arguments. Um, but I also realise that going airing, you know, grievances in public is not good for the game in, in general. Um, so yeah, the, the, the important thing for the players is that Steve Dawson is always available to chat to. You can watch the full interview between Stephen and Steve Dawson on World Snooker Tour's YouTube channel. Here's a little clip. Can we talk about dress code? I'm a traditionalist, I'm not going to lie. Um, it always felt like you put a bow tie and you're going to work. Um, <laughs> that, that was my uniform. But I do agree that tournaments, some should be different. What's, what's your opinion? What's the plans? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a traditionalist as well, Stephen. Uh, and, and I think... Certainly in overseas markets, it's actually a bit of a USP for us. Okay. I think that I think that whole image is something we sell very highly in mm. China. Yes, of course. And I think if we started changing that, I think could have a detrimental effect mm -hmm. on us commercially. So, having said that, yeah, I, I do believe that in certain events that there's opportunities to loosen the dress code mm -hmm. a little bit too formal. Uh, we are living in, and we need to attract younger people. Yeah. 
Uh, and to that end, yes, we're very close to uh, announcing a new deal with a, a major brand mm -hmm. um, that hopefully uh, we can use a, a more modern approach to the wearing of uh, the snooker uniform. So can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's, it's a new global sports brand which I think everyone will recognise the name of. Mm -hmm. um, and what they're going to do is they're going to work with players uh, and, and talk to them about how they want to see and use their more, less formal clothing in the snooker scenario. I'm Stephen Hendry. I'm Matt Watson. And this is Snooker Club, the official World Snooker Tour podcast. Now, let's get down to it. What famous people did you meet at the um, at the O'Sullivan documentary premiere, which I must mention again, I did not attend because <laughs> I was not uh, asked to. Well, the, the, the obvious one was uh, David Beckham, who's obviously yeah. his production company, Studio 99, made, made, made the documentary. So um, I met, met David Beckham afterwards, although... I was a little bit, little bit peeved because during the, the Q and A, which was after afterwards after the documentary with Ronnie Alistair Campbell hosting and David Beckham and the director, David Beckham said, "Oh yeah, it's great. To, I love watching snooker. All my heroes and and tonight I can't believe that you know Jimmy White's here, Ronnie's here. Did he mention me? No, no, no mention of Henry. <laughs> Unbelievable. Did you put your hand up and say, remind us how many world titles Jimmy White's got? <laughs> very tempting, very tempting. But no, no, it, it, it was great. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Wood was there. Uh, yeah. Alan Shearer was there. Ian Wright. Um, it, 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 there was a few people I think that I, that I didn't recognise. Um, but it was full, it was full, full. But and, and it was it was a great night and a great documentary. I must admit, I, I, I really did enjoy it. Yeah, it looked really fun. Night. I saw loads of red carpet pictures. I saw pictures of Beckham. Ronnie Wood. I myself was hosting a uh, awards night for Human Resources, so a uh, very similar evening for me. Um, <laughs> came downstairs to do the gig, and the band was on, and everyone in the room was on their feet, drunk, singing Sweet Caroline. At that point, I thought, I think I'd rather be at the Ronnie documentary here. But there we are. <laughs> if they made one on me, it wouldn't be that exciting. Oh, there's Stephen, he's, he's cooking another meal. Let's see if he's having another <laughs> game of golf. It wouldn't stretch all the way to 90 minutes running time, you reckon? <laughs> Unless you followed the whole round of golf, maybe. Just what would a behind-the-scenes uh, documentary on your your sort of tours or or, or or a comedian's life, what would what would that entail? Yeah, similarly. I mean, I took my son to a gig uh, recently, and um, we found a tennis ball backstage, and then I entertained him for about half an hour just each taking turns to try and chuck the ball into the bin. And again, I, I don't think that's I think all of that half hour in a documentary, probably. Uh, yeah, not BAFTA winning stuff, I would suggest. Really not, no. The, uh, the dressing rooms I have backstage in some theatres, not always, but some are fairly bleak, and you are you're scratching around a bit for entertainment. The, uh, again, though, maybe that thing of getting locked out of the theatre, will maybe there'll be a feature-length film just about that. There's been no approaches yet, though. So, I mean... Maybe someone wants to make a film of me and Stephen. Maybe we've got like half an interesting career each. We're open to offices yeah. all Hi, I'm Luca Brussel, and when I'm driving around in the Ferrari, I love listening to the WST official podcast, The Snooker Club. Welcome back to Snooker Club with me, Matt Watson, and uh, Stephen Hendry, who was invited to, but was not name-checked by David Beckham at the premiere of Ronnie's documentary. Um, thanks to everyone, as always, who's got in touch with us, like Chris J from Scotland. Your Snooker Club membership card is on its way. Uh, snookerclub at wst.tv is the address, as usual. We have heard back from Hugh Grant, who uh, is not the Hugh Grant, as far as we know, but he's the guy who told a story about uh, cornering Chris Wakelin at breakfast, which Stephen uh, labelled the worst story ever told on this podcast. Many thanks, Stephen and Mark, for bestowing the exclusive and prestigious title of Snooker Club Golden Honorary Member. It will obviously be framed and take pride of place in my snooker room. If you didn't hear this guy, he is also framed uh, a notice that a parcel was delivered to uh, Chris Wakeland. That was basically the long and short of his story. Um, as requested, please find attached a, a photo of that framed Chris Wakelin parcel notice. We never doubted the story, to be fair. It doesn't seem like something you bothered to make up. But in response to Stephen's question, I, I did also meet you. We speculated that he must have met Stephen because he's clearly in the business of hunting down snooker players. Um, I did meet you in Thailand. You and Matt Selt were about to head to the golf course at the time. Well, that's oh, a shocker. What a shocker. <laughs> To be fair, anyone could change with Matt Stephen on his way to the golf course. He says, keep up the great work with your wonderful podcast, which I listen to religiously, and Stephen with your wonderful Q-Tips YouTube channel, which I also watch 
religiously. Um, and sure enough, there is a Novotel parcel notice form confirming that, uh, what was it, insect, insect repellent, I believe, was uh, was sent to, <laughs> to Chris Wakelin. Uh, so, well, we've said it before, but if anyone else can top that for a boring snooker story, we'd love to hear from you. Alex McMillan has been back in touch with a little bit more, he's been a bit more forensic um, about this top five debate. Uh, I've been feeling slightly bad. It was my top five email with Henry Fourth, which initially set off a debate he obviously resents. Uh, if you've not heard previous episodes, Stephen was furiously left out of the top three, um, and it triggered hundreds of people writing in, almost all of them putting Henry first because they were scared not to. Um, <laughs> he says, he's backtracking, you can, you can hear the sound of someone backtracking here. Henry's one of my all-time heroes. So many memories have been sat with my dad watching those early 90s finals when everyone seemed to want him to lose, including me, and was simply incredible. I particularly remember the 92 comeback and watching that 147 cutback black. He did things which seemed impossible. <laughs> he then says, I'm hoping all this Mickey taking gets Stephen off the gold course and actually practicing. Number eight and the thousand century still attainable if he channels some anger and stops being such a nice fella. I wouldn't go that far, Alex. Um, well, that's a bit of a, a, bit of a groveling, a groveling comeback to not put me as top three players of all time, isn't it? I mean, I appreciate it. 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 I, I, he's he's really backtracked hard, as I say. Yeah, how how short are you of a thousand centuries? Seven seven seven. Uh, I'm on. I, I retired when I retired. I was 775, um, which is everyone will know. It follows me on social media. Is is my moniker on social media? Oh, um, and then I can't. Yeah, and one of my first matches back against Matt Sell, I made a century, so it was seven seven six. Didn't change my 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 uh, social media um, titles, and then um, in the World Championship qualifying last year, I made seven seven seven. So, how many is that? Thirty three to go. Uh, it's not going to happen anytime soon. He's saying a thousand, so two hundred and thirty three century breaks. There. He said two hundred thirty three. Yeah, two hundred thirty three. Yeah. Yeah, which is that is thirty three. No, I thought it would take you to 800 and then just another couple of hundred off to that, mate. Uh, I don't know. You're not talking like someone that's going to get the thousand anytime soon, but he still, Alex McMillan believes, he thinks you can not only get there, uh, but become... I think I'd reach a thousand years old first. Yeah, and also number eight. He means number eight world titles, of course. Well, look, who knows? Um Stephen thinks he knows, but yeah, well, listen, I, I, Alex, I, I I appreciate it. I appreciate the encouragement, but um, I don't think either of those two things are going to happen. Um, but yeah, appreciate appreciate the the come down. Let me put it that I, way. I don't think they are going to happen with that attitude, Stephen. But let's see. In two weeks' time, we'll, we'll hear whether Stephen has successfully channeled any of this anger, or whether he continues to just smash it out on the golf course. We're we're all hoping, as we said in previous episodes, that the a stretch of cold weather will force Stephen to spend more time on the well I'm, I'm pricing a bit here in new york i've got they've got the new queue here so any any sort of spare sort of an hour or so i'm i'm, I'm trying to get used to the new queue so so yeah alex i am i am putting in a little bit as, as much as as possible you heard it here first henry fans he's starting to show a passing interest in snooker again we know he's got the new queue and now he's heard he's only 233 centuries away from the big thousands <laughs> uh, only a matter of time hang in there alex and meanwhile uh an email from steve in renfrewshire in scotland Welcome to Snooker Club. Uh, thoroughly enjoying the podcast and the YouTube highlights videos. He says, this isn't the story of meeting Stephen per se, but nonetheless, I hope you'll find it. He says mildly amusing, so he's not exactly sold it hard. Um, a few years ago, while at the UK Championships, I was sitting in a well-known coffee chain reading an article about Stephen in the Snooker Scene magazine written by the always engaging and enlightening uh, Dave Hendon, who we've uh, stolen an idea from, I believe, in the past <laughs> by accident. <laughs> Uh, while reading the article, the legend himself, Henry, walked into the coffee shop, a spooky coincidence that left me starstruck and dumbfounded. I was caught between deciding to walk up to Stephen to explain what happened, maybe asking him to sign the article or just leaving him in peace. Instead, I opted for something perhaps a little unintentionally creepy and sent a tweet about it while Stephen was still in my eyeline. Stephen left the coffee shop and 30 minutes later, he liked the tweet. I often wish I said hello and bought the man a coffee for the years of outstanding entertainment and drama. Perhaps next time. There you go. Well, I mean, being a, being a Scotsman, a free coffee would have been very much appreciated. Um, <laughs> but he, he, but he, he, he probably, depending on what time of day, he probably took one look at my face and thought, that's not a man you approach <laughs> in a coffee shop. <laughs> yeah, we, we, yet again, we come down to your... Uh, whether you are an approachable figure or not. A lot of people seem to have stories of almost meeting you and then losing their nerve, put it that way. 
No, but can I just put it out there? Please do approach me. I, I am not like that. The, 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 the face may belie a, a miserableness that, um, that only I could portray, but underneath, I'm quite approachable. If you dig really deep there, there is a man who would be delighted for you to buy him a coffee, <laughs> a, a drink, a cigar, or anything else, basically. That's the... That is the key to his heart. Just buy him stuff. It's not that difficult to, to win Stephen's love. So there we go. Maybe next episode we'll have a story of someone successfully meeting uh, Henry at one of these many tournaments. Uh, by the way, do keep the correspondence coming. As usual, uh, pick up a virtual membership by emailing us on any subject, really, snookerclub at wft.tv. Um, we also have some big news for you. At this year's Masters, Alexandra Palace in London, we will be bringing you a live version of uh, the Suki Club podcast, intimate and exclusive live recording. Stephen will have a cigar, I'll have a wine. Actually, I don't know if you're probably not allowed to smoke indoors. Well, we'll see. These are the sort of things we, we, we'll find out. Um, <laughs> it will be on the eve of the tournament, Saturday, January the 6th. More details really soon. And there'll be a ticket ballot announcement, which suggests that they're expecting to sell more tickets than we've got uh, room for. But uh, it'll be embarrassing if everyone... <laughs> if, <laughs> if we had it in a dressing room, I could be like Ronnie and just smoke out the window. Like he does in the dressing rooms and his and his film. Yeah, and then we have a live audience of about ten, and uh, yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe not exactly what WST are hoping for. That is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that, Steve. It'll be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it because the Masters is obviously a huge, huge event, so it'll be great. Yeah, uh, we'll announce soon how to get tickets, and that is a huge chance to meet Henry and me, I suppose, or at least uh, listen to us talking. Hi, I'm Mark Selby, and when I'm cooking chicken pizzas, I always listen to WST's official podcast, Snooker Club. Now it's time to welcome this week's guest, a former footballer who's played over 600 professional games, a Premier League winner for Arsenal, and capped multiple times for England, now working as ITV's lead co-commentator. It's Lee Dixon. Welcome. Morning, boys. How are you? Where are you, lot? I'm in New York. Did you say New York or York? (laughs) Unfortunately, York. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just walking in York. Yeah. <laughs> York's lovely. Arsenal top of the league as we as we speak. Well, timing's everything. If we'd done it last week, we wouldn't have been. So we're quite. We're, <laughs> and also, our history of being top of the league um, over recent years is um, nothing to get too excited about. Just that last game of the season is where it all counts. So we're, we're pleased so. that we're, we're pleased it's going okay, but we're not getting yeah. carried away. 1-0 to the Arsenal. Makes me go back to the old days. Quite like the uh, <laughs> the clean sheet bit. It always uh, makes me smile. And I know Dave Seaman, obviously Dave's a big mate of mine and we speak most weeks after the games. And doesn't matter what the result is, if there's a nil on the, on our goals <laughs> against Colin, that's the first thing we comment about. It's another clean sheet. Come on. Yeah. Does it make you nervous when my, my son's a, uh, a gooner? Or the way Arteta makes them play out from the back now, it feels like the clean sheet is on the line a bit more than it has to be. All I can say is I'm glad I played then rather than now. I mean, I'd, <laughs> be, I'd be. I mean, you do get used to what you're being asked to do and. Getting attacked by a dog, by the look of it. <laughs> Did you just throw it on the floor? There was a huge bang. That was the noise of knocking the microphone over. I, I don't want it on record that I'm some sort of... Uh, I don't want any more violence on my CV. That's not how I want to get cancelled, now. I love the fact you've got a cat that looks like a dog. It's brilliant. And he also he acts like a dog as well. He's, I'm just going to accept he's here. He just seems to really like the podcast, but I don't know why he can't wait and listen to it like everyone else. <laughs> I, I was talking to one of my son's friends the other week and he was going about the modern game and all this lot and he said, oh, you would have done this and you would have done that. And I stopped him and I said, just just hang on one sec. I said, if I was trying to make it now, as in, you know, breakthrough into the ranks of professional football from being a kid and break, I would get nowhere near it. And, I, and that's being honest. And really? I would get nowhere. Yeah, no, really? nowhere near. The, the standard that I, I was a p- pretty late developer anyway, so I didn't sign pro. I didn't do the apprenticeship bit. And I just, I was at college and then I signed pro when I was 18. But trying to get through the ranks now for these kids, when you base, when you look at how the academies have come on and how many kids they've got, at their disposal, and it is disposal because yeah. if you're not quite good enough, you know you've gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, I, I would never have made it now. I mean, I'm not saying that I didn't go on to become a. I couldn't play in the modern day game now, yeah. having learned learned my craft as a kid and all that. Yeah. Lot. But the 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 standard of everything has gone up: training, nutrition, pitches, boots, kit, 
uh, strength and conditioning, you name it, it's gone through the roof. So I would have obviously had the benefit of that as well. So you can, it's mm. difficult to say, but I mean, yeah, compared to what the game was like 20 years ago, well, I retired 20 years ago. And <clears throat> when I retired, they were, we were athletes, but at the, mm. over the last 10, 15 years or so, they have just become supreme racehorse fit you know it's, it's unbelievable and uh it's, i was with roy Keane um probably a couple of years ago now we were doing a champions league game and we were pitch side i think it was bayern munich i think we was at bayern and, and arsenal were playing them so it was a good few years ago um and we were standing pitch side me and him and they were warming up just in front of us the bayern players and we both looking like this and i, I looked at him and he looked at me and we were we both went Glad we're not playing. And he went, yeah. <laughs> it looked so scary. It was so fast and so quick and big. Yeah. I can't imagine Roy Keane being intimidated by too many players, to be fair. No, he's not all what he cracked up to be, you know. He's a bit of a softy on the... <laughs> I hope this isn't going out. Yeah, cut that bit out. <laughs> and presumably, like, the, the nutrition, the tra- the diet, all that stuff was, is, wasn't quite as sort of regimented when you were playing. <laughs> No, um, when Wenger came, obviously that changed overnight. Yeah. You know, he came in and he had a look at everything, and he went, "Right, this is what we this is what we do." And I, there's a great old school, old story about um, the, we had Dr. Crane, an old kind of Etonian colonel-looking curly mustache doctor that looked after all the players on a on a daily basis, and he used to come in at half time and one of his things was he'd walk around with a, a bag of jelly babies at half time as as George Graham was giving his team talk <laughs> and you'd get two jelly babies each, you know, and he'd go walk around as if he wasn't there and it was just a routine. You just kind of put your hand up, took these jelly babies, popped in your mouth, carried on listening to the manager. And that was his, one of his things that he did. And the first yeah. first game that Wenger was manager of, Doc Crane comes in and I looked at Tony Adams and he looked at me and I went, oh, no, he's going to do the jelly babies. And he pulls out this bag <laughs> of jelly babies and starts walking around and, and, and Wenger looked at him and he watched him a couple of, and he's just like in disbelief. He just went, <laughs> doctor, what are you doing? And he was like, what? The boys always have jelly babies at half time. And he was like mortified that, that we were getting sugar at a time where we shouldn't be eating sugar. We didn't. We were like Mars bars. Snooker players are actually, believe it or not, a lot fitter than than in my, so 80s and 90s. I mean, we're, we're all shapes and sizes. I mean, I, I I still am, but I don't play anymore, so it doesn't matter. But um, <laughs> but yeah, all, all, a lot of the top players. I mean, Ronnie particularly. Um, but Judd, yeah. Jack Lazowski, all, all these players do a lot of fitness now. It's, 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 I, think, I think it's it's, it's it's every sport, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it catches on when you see somebody doing something. And I, I never forget Gary Neville um, met up with England a few times after Wenger had taken over, and they were talking to they talked to each other. Obviously, the Arsenal players and Man United players when they're on 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 a squad, and they were saying Gary Neville was saying, "I can't believe you lads look so fit, and you you're so this and so that." And and you know the, the Arsenal lads would say, "Yeah, we do this now, and we're we're eating that, and we're." And, Gary Neville goes back to United and said, "Yeah, should have kept quiet. We should be doing this. We <laughs> we should be doing this." And 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 can't, so you 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 obviously are trying to marginal gains and Dave Brailsford and all that, like trying to find something. And if something changes where you think, "Oh, that might work," then you know why not? Why not have a yeah, give it a go? And so I think everybody's caught up now, and the the, the gains now are, are are not quite as obvious because everybody's doing the same thing. Yeah, I'm just trying to make, I bet Arsene had never even seen a bag of jelly babies in his life. <laughs> I reckon secretly he took them off the dock and had them in his office. That's what I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eat a whole bag of them after a defeat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in terms of, in terms of dis- I mean, I had a manager um, who was who disciplined me like really straight. He was like a, I, I got hair dryer treatment in in the dressing room if I was if I was behind in a match. And I remember being at a sports person at the year award um, when George Graham was the manager at Arsenal. And Ian Wright was there. At a night off, even he was sort of wary because George Graham was there of, of behaving correctly. So he had obviously power everywhere you were. Yeah, well, he, he thought he did, and that's where the Tuesday Club came <laughs> yeah. from because we kind of sneaked out now and again. Um, but yeah, he, he had eyes everywhere. He knew everything that was good. And he, he, George used to let things go. You know, he, he would kind of concentrate on the on the important things. And and if there was a few indiscretions and a few nights out here and there, he he kind of turned a blind eye until he, he basically used to say to us, 
just stay on the back pages. Don't get on the front pages. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. We'll yeah, do yeah, our yeah. best. We'll do our best. Uh, <laughs> and we failed on several occasions, but no, it wasn't me. Somebody else. <laughs> Stephen will, will tell you the, 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 the discipline, self-discipline that you have to educate yourself on and how you have to go about getting the best out of yourself from a sporting point of view mm. takes a huge yeah. amount of um you know sacrifice and all of that and and it doesn't happen overnight and, and you have to learn as you go along but when when Wenger came we were already you know sort of we knew what we were doing I wanted to talk about the the uh, Invincibles year now obviously I, I'd appeared in 19s where I just went through and winning five world championships in a row and I felt and I felt I'm sorry I'm bringing it back to me but I felt but <laughs> I, 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 I almost took winning for granted um i always yeah. i'm gonna go down i'm gonna win a world championship was that how the, the situation with you guys did you just expect to win every week or expect not to lose well i'll have to i'll have to just correct you on a very small point is that i wasn't an invincible because i retired but oh, i do oh. know them very well i retired to two sean, years sean murphy is going to kill me for my for my uh my uh, research <laughs> <laughs> so so I retired 2002 and the Invincibles were 2004. But going back to what you said, um, mm-hmm. in 1991, and it, Tony Adams tells a, he doesn't know he tells a brilliant story, but he did tell a brilliant story when <laughs> me, and, me and him were doing a, a little Q&A thing with some supporters in the director's box. Um, and there was about 20 supporters around us and we got to the premier league trophy which is the invincible one which is the opposite way around it's it's gold with a silver top as opposed to silver with a gold top That's and nice. it's a it's a, it's in the it's in the trophy cabinet and as we walked past one of the spectators went oh look the invincibles look these two invincibles <laughs> so i i always correct people if someone says you're invincible because i don't want to jump on that bandwagon I, so i turned around <laughs> and, I, and i said i goes oh no no you got it wrong. Me and Tony are not invincible. And and Tony looks at me and he went, I'm an invincible. And I, said, <laughs> I said, no, Tony, you retired on the same day that I retired in 2002. We retired on the same day. And he went, I'm an invincible. So I went, so I've got to turn around to everyone and said, he's had, a, he's had a few bangs on the head. He's forgotten, you know, his memory's not great. I said, no, Tony. And he went, yeah. I said, go on then explain. He said, well, in 1991, we lost one game that season when we won the league against Chelsea. Chelsea. He goes, and I said, yeah. And he goes, well, I was in Chelmsford prison when you lost that game. So I'm (laughs) an invincible. (laughs) (laughs) And he actually was in prison. So, um, yeah. Brilliant. Even, even that season, you, you, you know, even the play, I know, you know, the players I know talk about the invincibles, Mm -hmm. Ray Parlin, et cetera, about that. They didn't think about it at all until, Right near the end of the season, when when Wenger said, "Right, we're gonna really? win," you know, let's go undefeated, and the lads went, "What? Are yeah, you mad?" Yeah. So, Lee, what's uh, are you are you a player yourself? What's your highest break? Did you play a lot uh, in your downtime when you played football? I knew these questions would come in. Um, <laughs> what's my highest break? I think my highest breaks. Well, the fact that I'm only thinking my highest break is something suggests right. that you. But I'm not an avid player, as in every week. I haven't got a snooker table at the house. Um, I haven't. I play. I used to play more so when in the when I was at Stoke, and we tended to. I don't know why was we, when we were younger we tended to have more time on our hands. So we'd play, we'd train, and then we'd go to the snooker hall near near the training ground and play there. And I think my ice breaks about 27, 28. But that was that, no, bad. that included two blacks. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of fouls by your opponent. <laughs> um, but I used to have, like we all did. I, my, I started my snooker career um, on that one of those little tables that, that you yeah. get when you Christmas and the fold-out legs and the, you know, the slope. Left you're like me. Right. You're like me now. You're you're a golfer more than a snooker player, just like me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Got, give me a give me a golf club all day long in the snooker queue. I was going to say a snooker club then. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of you is still entering snooker tournaments. To be fair, Stephen. <laughs> what about watching it, Lee? I, I mean, I don't. I watch the uh, same with most sports. I I tend to. I flick through the TV, and if there's something on, if I see it's a, a big tournament, then I, that that gets my juices by in anything. You know, it's mm. a final of something, or it's uh, a championship, or a. Then it doesn't matter what the sport is. I'm, I I watch it. I'd much prefer okay. to watch. 
you know, the old fogies like him play. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dennis Taylor and all that lot. And I, I, that, that, that appeals to me more. And I, can I ask, I'd like to ask Stephen a question if that's all right about snooker. And yeah. that would be, what's, what's your biggest break of late? Do you, do you um, easily would you easily whack a one four seven out now? Like we, we talk about this quite a bit actually. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get I get a lot of stick from Mark um, about um, yeah my, my about lack of professionalism at the table now. Dedication is probably yeah. I mean yeah, if I do an exhibition, there's every chance I'll make a century or whatever. But one four seven is a bit different. That's I mean you need to be you need to be on top of your game to do that because it's thirty six shots of precision. You know literally to, to the millimeter position so you need to be playing hours and hours to, to have that um, yeah yeah century breaks and that's yeah that's yeah that's not that's, that's not a problem that's just yeah i, well, I we, guess i i guess i don't look you know i i look at it, you, it when you see someone do a 147 it looks so easy because you're yeah. they're always in position so I guess yeah. that's the hard bit, getting in position, and that takes hours. It is. People come to oh yeah, it's snooker. I, 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 you know, I, I can put a ball. I can put yeah, but you put a ball. But can you put the next one? It's 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 <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's all about the cue ball. It's all about the cue ball at the end of the day. And yeah, uh, yeah one four seven is. It's. I mean, I, I I'm biased, but I think it's one of the greatest things in in any sport. It's just because, as I say, because of the yeah. precision needed and over over ten minutes, or as Ronnie does it, five and a half. <laughs> yes. Yeah, at least if it goes wrong, he hasn't wasted too much of time on it. Yeah. Lee, have you got an earliest snooker memory? Is it like sort of Dennis Taylor, Davis type era? Yeah, I mean, um, one of the, yeah, it was it's Davis, Taylor, and obviously... 85. Uh, yeah, I mean, those glasses, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. John, Vir- John Virgo. They, and yeah. it, and, it's, and it, it, I, I don't know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I guess it's nostalgia that makes you look at past yeah. sporting events as going... Oh, that's when the game was this, and that's well. You know, I look at old football matches and I go, "Oh, they won the game a lot better then." And whether it's better or not, it's just different. And I think because yeah. you're looking through a different set of glasses, cool. um, yeah, at, at that because it brings back memories of your childhood and what you were doing at those times is not just what you're seeing. You you start to smell yeah. and feel and all of that sort of stuff. Remember yeah. what you were eating and re- all of that, and then that is what nostalgia is. And, I, and so. One of the biggest things about my snooker past watching that was meeting Stephen Davis and, and Steve Davis and and kind of going, oh, he's actually quite funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, 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 yeah. You know, the first time I met, him, I think he was on the golf course, and I was like, wow, he's like, that's yeah. a proper bloke. You know, he's like, <laughs> a, a, I missed all that when he was playing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was talking yeah. about it before. He, he did the thing of being Mister Interesting. But, for so long it, it it turns out he was sort of hiding in plain sight and he actually was interesting all, all absolutely yeah. yeah yeah brilliant we now come to the uh, celebrated quiz aspect of the um podcast hazel irvin put 20 on the board we've also had some pretty poor players though lee you'll be 20 so you can basically go you have to do a, start with a red which is your own career although you've said you don't, you're not always confident on those ones <laughs> um and then green for football, blue for general knowledge, or black for snooker. So you can you sort of decide how many oh. you want to take, basically. Okay. And you've okay. just got to pot as many as you can in the 147 seconds. Are you ready? Go on. Yeah, I'm ready. Right, yeah. So we start you with a red. How many England caps do you have? 22. Is correct. Uh, so first choice of colours. Uh, blue. Blue What's for general blue knowledge. Yeah. yeah, general knowledge. How many, this isn't easy, how many hearts does an octopus have? Oh, it's either nine or seven. Well, oh, I'll stop no, you there. It's obviously not. It's, it's, it's obviously not. It's actually three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have gone, no, it's none of them three, but you didn't oh, give me a chance. Anyway, go on. So. Next question. I couldn't watch, watch you agonise there for nine or seven. Um, not including caretaker managers, how many managers did you play for uh, at Arsenal? Not not caretakers. Not including caretakers, yeah. Three. Yeah, so Graham Wenger. Oh, Bruce Rioch is it in between. Yeah. Yeah. What's green again? Green is football. I want to get points. I'm going blue again. Blue again. In what decade was Coronation Street first broadcast? Oh, my God. 60s. Yes, correct. Five points. Um, in which year did you move from BBC to ITV as a pundit? Oh my God. That is quite uh, How do I not know that? 
Uh, it, was, it was 2008. Oh, I've got 2012 here. It, it was 2012, you're right. I'm only four That's years old. <laughs> How much did Arsenal pay for you when they signed you from Stoke in 1988? This is another round. Well, this, this is 350,000. That, that's if that's the figure you should have. Yeah, I've got a award that. I've got 375, but there's often no. That's wrong. I guarantee you, it's 350. You should know this one. I'll, I'll award you the red. <laughs> um, I'm going blue again. Blue again. Um, how many fingers do Simpsons characters have? Four. Yes, that's a big blue, big blue from Um you, you should get this. Uh, alongside which other commentator did you feature on EA Sports FIFA video game? Derek Ray. Derek Ray it was, and my son plays that endlessly, so I, I've heard you a lot in my life. <laughs> 14, that is actually pretty high up, I think. Not as good as Hayes Lurvin, but thanks to your courage with those blues, pretty decent. I can't, be- can't believe you cut me off when I was just about to say three for the hearts. <laughs> well, it, the record <laughs> will show this 14 with an asterisk. It is poor form. You wouldn't see the referee just like take the balls away in, in a real snooker scenario, I must admit. So possibly no. should give, we should think about no. giving, but the referee's no. final. Lee Dixon scores 14. Um, I'm, I'm happy with that. It is pretty good, yeah. We had some low scores early on in this because, including Henry himself, didn't do too good. But then he's not that—he's not interested in sniffer anymore. No black balls, but a couple of. Well, could you could you give me my black question? What would it have been? The first one was who won the last year's UK Championship? Oh, not even. Not even. Yeah. I wouldn't even be able to throw a name at you. Nah, Mark Allen. Dennis it was. Taylor would have been a wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, Dennis has not won a major tournament for a bit. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I think you, most of them were modern snooker questions, so I, th- I think you were right about it. Yeah, I, I did well to stay clear of them. Oh, dear, that's going to be controversial. So Lee moves up above Henry himself, uh, who scored the all-time low of eight. Uh, Edwards from Kasabian, Eddie Hearn, but in second place on the leaderboard is Mike Dean, and his break was 15. So that is only going to, there's going to be more controversy over that interrupted question now. I, 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 yeah, I'm definitely not coming on again because of that. If you rob <laughs> I've been robbed. I've been robbed. Mike Dean will be analysing the referee's decision there. So Dixon with a controversial <laughs> third place uh, on the leaderboard. Could have been second. Thanks a lot, Lee. Really fun having you it's on. my pleasure. Yeah, good fun. Thanks for joining us. All right. Cheers, guys. Okay, that's all from us this week on the Snooker Club. Please remember, if you haven't already, to download and leave a review. The best clips from the show will be available to watch on YouTube. Just search for World Snooker Tour. Thank you for listening. As ever, you can contact the show via snookerclub at wst.tv. Keep those emails coming. Uh, next week, tune into the 147, your fortnightly roundup from World Snooker Tour. And Stephen and I will see you in a couple of weeks, along with comedian and actor Joe Wilkinson. Bye-bye. <laughs>